Well, it's good to be with you tonight. We've been looking forward to being here. We look forward to coming here whenever uh, we have the opportunity and always enjoy the services, the spirit of the services, friendliness of people. It's getting to now where there's a few people who say, we've seen you before, haven't you? What's your name? And so it's, that's better than, uh, you know, give me a visitor's card. I mean, anyway, but if you give me a visitor's card, that's okay too. I don't expect everybody to know who we are, that's for sure. But this church has a special place in our heart, and we're thankful for God, to God for it. It's, it's special to us. We uh, think about it, our, our good friends, your pastor and Miss Pam, we've spent uh, some good times of fellowship with them over the years and ministry as well. And uh, we love coming here, brother, and we uh, love you. And we've been praying a lot for you and for this church in the, in the last week or so. And thank to hear, thankful to hear that God's working here. It's also special to us because as a great missions church, you support Adam and Christy McGeorge uh, to the island of Nauru, and Christy's our daughter. And you got uh, them and our three grandsons that are over there, and thank you for having a part in their ministry. They're over there plugging away, reaching some people for the Lord and building a church for Him. Thank God for that. This is a church where there's always uh, good services. Anytime I've been here, we've been here for your... When you hosted the uh, Global Independent Baptist Fellowship meeting, I think in 2015... And uh, we were here for that, and what a great job you did with that. And something I tell people all over the country when we go, and we uh, some churches you just see it and you feel it, and you sense it that it's that way on a regular basis. Don't ever take for granted that you're in a church where God is working. It's it's a great thing to be in a church where God's hand is obviously upon the ministry and God is doing things. I heard you had one saved on Sunday and. And while you're celebrating your 50th anniversary and one baptized that had recently been saved and, and others I know have come right along over the years and, and uh, thank God for that. Don't take it for granted and please, please don't be one that messes that up. Amen? A good spirit's a precious thing. And uh, yet uh, the devil would like to take that away and he'd like to use you to take that away if he could. And so... Uh, let's be faithful to the Lord and just love Him and serve Him and, and get along. We're going to spend eternity together. We might as well get along. Amen? That's not my message tonight, but you ought to listen to it anyway. Mark chapter 7 tonight. Mark chapter 7 and verse 31. Oh, by the way, this church also has a special place in my heart because during that fellowship meeting in 2015... During the afternoon, between the morning and afternoon service, me and a couple preachers went up to Mazingo Lakes, and I shot a par round of golf. Been playing forever, and that's the only one I've ever had. And so that was uh, really something. And so, uh, but these other things I know are a whole lot more important than that. But Mark chapter 7, verse 31, I want to read down through verse 37. It says, And again departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. He took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed. And he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, 
He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. I pray your blessings will be upon the reading of thy word. And now, Lord, I pray that you would be with me as your servant. Give me clarity of thought and strength of voice and the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit. You'd use me tonight to bring a message that you'll use to minister to hearts. Lord, you know the hearts and lives. You know the needs. And Lord, I pray that you would work to edify faithful Christians and build them up in the faith. I pray backsliders will be restored. If there's any among us that know not Christ, Lord, might we be able to clearly communicate the need for salvation in every life. And by your Spirit, I pray you'd draw them to yourself. I pray, Lord, you'd get glory to yourself, not just from the message, but especially, Lord, that you'd get glory to yourself in the response of people to thy word and thy spirit as your work. We'll praise you for what you do, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and please be seated. Tonight's message is based upon the statement made by some people who had observed some of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage, we see here that they made the statement in verse 37, He hath done all things well. He makes the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. You know, I was thinking about that some time back, and I thought about that. He hath done all things well. You know, they could have said He hath done all things perfectly. Because He did. He was perfect in everything He did. He did perfectly. However, Jesus is our supreme example. Our goal, of course, is to be like Jesus. And we think about that, none of us are perfect. And the truth is, we don't do things perfectly. I believe tonight, think with me tonight, if you will, I, I think maybe that's why the Bible records that He did all things well. Even though it could have said otherwise. And those people could have said otherwise. But our goal as we gather here tonight, as we live day by day as Christians, our goal should be to do all things well. When I say that, I'm talking about we ought to endeavor to be good at all things that we're supposed to do and be. I think the foundation and starting place for that would be 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 where it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I don't think we'll ever be said of us that we did all things well if we're not faithful to God in the doing of them. In our faithfulness to Him, faithfulness is an is a indispensable ingredient in the life of a Christian who does all things well. Truth is, we cannot be great at everything or perfect at anything, but all of us can strive to be good at all things. Be good at all things. The title of the message tonight is Good is Great. Good is Great. You say, Preacher, what are the all things that I'm to strive to be good at? What is it that I should be trying to do well? And I would answer that by saying I think the important things in life all have to do with relationships. I found out a long time ago, I figured this out, the most important things in life are not things. Most important things in life are other people. And out of our relationships come responsibilities. Those responsibilities that we have from the relationships of life, in all of those we should strive to do all things well. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to God, from our relationship to our spouse, husband or wife 
to our relationship to our parents and those of us that have those uh, around grandparents as well. But I think about relationship to our children and to our grandchildren. We have responsibilities that come from that. Relationship to our siblings, our brothers and sisters bring uh, responsibilities, don't they? And even our relationship to the Bible. Somebody says, well, you weren't going to talk about things. You said the most important things are, are not things. And I'm telling you, this book's not a thing. This book's alive. And we have, as Christians, great responsibilities to this book. I'll not get into it tonight, but the way we view it, the way we respond to it, what it means to us in our lives, we need to be right in our relationship with the book. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to our employer. And if you're on the other side of things, you're employees. We have responsibilities to our Christian service, that is, those we minister to. One thing I know, we all have responsibilities in regards to lost people, don't we? Because we are debtors to all men to do as much as we can to get the gospel to them like was so well put by Brother Mike tonight in, in our witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to our friends as well as to our community and our country. Now, I'm not saying that's a complete list of everything, but that's a pretty good list to get started with anyway. And what I think uh, we're, we're talking about is our goal should be to do all things well. A good prayer for all of us would be, Lord, help me to be a good Christian while I'm a good husband or wife, while I'm a good son or daughter, while I'm a good parent and grandparent, while I'm a good brother or sister, while I'm a good student of and adherent to the Word of God, help me to be a, 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 a good church member and a good employee and a good employer if I'm on the other side of things, while I'm a good Sunday school teacher or children's church worker or choir member or whatever else it might be we do by way of ministry in the church, while I'm a good friend to my friends, while I'm a good citizen in this country, in this city, in this area, all at the same time. That ought to be our prayer. That ought to be our desire. I'm not saying you got to pray that way every day. But that's the way we ought to pray, Lord. I want to be who and what You want me to be. If we're going to accomplish that, we need to strive for some balance in our lives. I would say it this way. We need to work at being good at all things before trying to be great at anything. How about that? You know there's very few five-talent Christians in the world. You think about Matthew chapter uh, twenty. Five it is, uh, where Jesus gave the parable of the talents there, and one He gave five, one He gave two, and one He gave one. And, and I know those talents are talking about uh, amounts of, of uh, material things, money things that could be used for their, their master. But God's given us talents that are far more valuable than money and things. And we're to oversee even our money with those other things. And there's very few five talent. No one is great at everything, even among the five talent Christians. Some are great at a few things while continuing to do well at all things. I stand before you tonight in no way in false humility. I know these things to be true about myself. I know that I am not great at anything. I know that. If I could be great at one thing, I'd like to be great in my relationship with God. That'd be right at the top, wouldn't it? But I know tonight I'm not a great preacher. I know that. You know, I, I'm, I'm endeavoring, and I have throughout my ministry, I've endeavored to be a good preacher. And I believe by God's help, 
A lot of times I am a good preacher. But there's only a few great preachers around, in my opinion. And I'm not one of them, and I know that. I'm not a great husband in the eyes of many. I think my wife loves me and glad for our, our marriage and so forth. But, you know, I found out not long after I got married that demonstrating love has to do with a lot more things than hugs and kisses. <laughs> Some of you getting a kick out of that. Some of you said, where is he going? You can relax. That's as far as I'm going, all right? But you know, uh, I found out that there's a lot of other things that I need to be doing or not doing to make my wife feel loved and special and so forth. And you know, I've worked on that a lot because uh, I'm telling you, when it comes to romance... I was a dud from the start. You know, romance, like I said, is more than those first things. It's, it's, it's other things. And you know, I've worked at it for years, and I, I thought I was making a lot of headway, and then I watched a couple of Hallmark movies with my wife. <laughs> Who of us compared to those guys is not a dud? <laughs> you know... Uh, you get what I'm talking about there. And they say the right thing. They have the perfect setting. They do all those things. And, and the girls go, oh, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just wonderful. That's not me. Won't ever be. But I do. Hey, guys, could I get a witness on this? I think I ought to get some points for watching Hallmark movies with my wife. Anybody? I'm not a great father in the sense that I'm not that father that, you know, the, that's uh, went to every one of my kids' ball games, even their practices, their activities. You know, the dad who's always there for everything. Because in my endeavoring to do all things well, there were times when my kids were doing something that I would have liked to have been with them, but I had some other things that I needed to be doing. And I think it's okay for them to learn that. From us as well. So not great like the, the stereotype dad that many think would be great. Most but uh, of their things I was at, but other times I couldn't be. I'm not a great soul winner. I really wish I was. And I wish I could win a lot more people to Christ. I've won people to Christ, thank God for that. I've endeavored to be a faithful witness throughout my Christian life and share the gospel and give out tracts and do what I can. But I'm not the guy that, you know, strikes up a conversation and I can lead people to Christ every week. I'm not that guy. And I've met a few guys that are. But I've endeavored to be a good soul winner. And thank God in our years of ministry, we've led a fair number of people to Christ. I'm not great at anything else, but I'm striving to be good at all things. A few years ago, I hope everybody's with me, he hath done all things well, and we're trying to do that too, amen? A few years ago, I heard a preacher say that balanced goodness might actually be what tends to greatness in the Christian life. Balanced goodness. I wrote that down. I didn't forget that. If you are balanced in your goodness, you know, in all things of life, no one's going to write a book about you. You will probably never attain celebrity status 
in balanced goodness, you probably wouldn't anyway, so don't worry about it. You know, I've found that many people excel in one or two things, at one or two areas of life, and sacrifice goodness in many areas of life while they're endeavoring to excel in a few things. Now, I'm not picking on anybody here tonight, but I think about the great athletes in our world today. I'm, you know, we call a lot of guys great, he's a great high school athlete. Or I'm talking about the really great ones. I'm talking about the pros. You know, how many of those can you list that maybe they're really good at the game they play, but they're really messed up in some other areas? You know, the same could be said about many of the professional entertainers. Even some men who've become super successful businessmen. Sometimes that happens at great cost and great sacrifice of other important, significant areas of their lives. Sad to say, and your pastor would know what I'm talking about here, but he uh, runs around preachers like I do, sometimes even people in ministry who considered by many to be great in ministry drop the ball in some other areas. When I think about this, endeavoring to do all things well, I saw a, a performance several years ago at uh, Dixie Stampede in uh, Branson, Missouri. Remember how, if you've been to Dixie Stampede, they had the pre-show before you actually go in there where they're doing the rodeo stuff and so forth. And I saw a pre-show one time. This guy was putting on, uh, this entertainer, he, uh, was, he could balance all kinds of things. You know, he took a chair and put one leg on his chin and balanced it and walked around with it, a four-legged chair there, and, and just balanced stuff. But he did the one of the spinning plates. I don't know if you've ever seen that, that act or not, but you've got uh, like this platform here, and it's got these poles coming up out of it. They're fastened at the bottom, and the pl- they can move around, but the bottom can't move. And he took uh, dinner plates. And I don't know why, how many he had, uh, I think the normal six, eight, ten of them, usually about eight or so of them, and he took a dinner plate, and he started this end with these lined up across in front of him. And he took a dinner plate and spun it on the first pole there, and it got spinning. And he took one and did it on the second and the third and so forth all the way down to the end. And by the time he got the one spinning on the end, he had to run back over here and get this one spinning good again because it was wobbling and about to fall off. And he kept going back and forth to keep those plates spinning. Could you imagine what that act would have looked like if he got them all spinning and walked back to the middle and said, these two are my favorites. And he'd spin them and spin them, spin them and spin them. You watch those plates, they wobble and wobble and wobble as they lose spin. Then they would crash and break on the floor. And I think many times those crashing plates could represent in our lives, the place representing all things, keep them all spinning. You follow what I'm saying? The crashing place could represent a person's family or their spiritual life or their Christian testimony. It could represent their friends and the ministry they ought to be having to their friends. Their personal ministries and lost souls and other things we could talk about keeping a few plates spinning very well, but neglecting the rest. That's not an all things well kind of Christian. Think about good is great. I want to 
give you my definition of good. Good is not average. Good is not mediocre. Good is definitely not slipshod. Jesus did all things well, and I think you know what that means. He was good at it. Did it right. I believe for us, we should strive to do things well, not everything perfectly, not everything in an excellent fashion, but the best we can while not, while not neglecting other responsibilities. Somebody says, preacher, how can that be accomplished? Well, I would say, like everything else we accomplish, with God's help. <laughs> Jesus said in John chapter 15, without me ye can do nothing. Of course, Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. If we're going to do anything, let alone all things well, we need to depend upon the Lord and acknowledge that He's the one we depend upon. Let me give you something by way of nuts and bolts that I think can help us. I think, as Christians, we need to learn to live by schedule and priority. Schedule and priority. If we want to do all things well. When I was a pastor for all those years, and I still use this to a point, but not as much as I did as a pastor, I had what I started on Monday mornings with every Monday morning that as far as my ministry was concerned, I made myself a new to-do list. I had a four by, six, a four by six index card, and I had down the left side of it was the things that I had down to get done that week, and they really needed to get done that week. And I had another column of things that I was hoping I could get done that week. And then I had, that's, we're talking about priority here. You follow what I'm saying? And then I had another column on there. Well, maybe I'll get some, some of these things done this week. And I tried to order my work life by schedule and by priority. I think it's important to do that. And we need to learn to live by schedule and priority based upon our relationships and our responsibilities that stem from those relationships. And by the way, your schedule doesn't need to be extremely detailed nor complicated. Because for most of us, most of, much of our week is already scheduled. You think about your time each week you have. If you have a job, that takes up some time, doesn't it? And you don't really have to put that on a schedule. You just need to set your alarm clock and be there, amen? Or be there whatever time of day it is and do what you need to do. Uh, if you're in school, they kind of have a schedule for you too. And that takes up time. Of course, your church. If your priorities are right, what's going on at the church? Part of your schedule, amen? And it should already be planned for us in that, you know what, I was this way as a pastor, but I was this way before I became a pastor. I, I'm one of those, I believe Christians ought to be every time the doors are open kind of Christians. And what I mean by that, when there's something going on at your church that you can be a part of, you ought to be there. Be a part of it and participate. That'll take up some time as well. And there's another one I wish we didn't have to have on our schedule, but we do, and that is sleep. Don't you wish you didn't need any? When you get real busy, like you've been these last several days, and like most of us are a lot of days of our lives, a lot of weeks of our lives, but it's part of it. So you don't have to write out a schedule for those things. They're just part of life. You think about that. What I'm trying to get you to here tonight is 
You need to make time for the important things that you know you've been neglecting. If we're going to do all things well, we can't have things in our life that are responsibilities in the sight of God that we ought to be fulfilling. If we're neglecting those things, we're not an all things well kind of Christian. By the way, you need to have some flexibility in your schedule. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to adjust or even violate your schedule at times. I don't know if you've ever done this or not, Brother Marshall, but I was up years ago, Wednesday night, preaching on Wednesday night, and while I was preaching, the names Bill and Wanda came to my mind. And Bill and Wanda were a couple who had started visiting our church, and they were lost. And I'm up preaching, Bill and Wanda come to my mind, and it's amazing how you can do, at least a, most men can't do this very long, I can't, but for a split second there, I'm thinking, Bill and Wanda, I can't go see them tonight, it's going to be late, and besides that, he's an over-the-road truck driver. And then all of a sudden, I'm back to my message, you know, because, so I don't totally lose my train of thought. And I went a little while longer, and Bill and Wanda came to my mind again. Need to go see him. So I said, I dismissed it from mine. I finished my lesson, got finished, went to the back, was shaking some hands and so forth. And I said to Wanda, I said, uh, we're going to go visit Bill and Wanda tonight. And she kind of looked at me. You know, it was dark. It, was not, you know, it wasn't summertime where it stays daylight uh, so late and all that. And, and I said, I probably won't catch them at home, but we're going to go see them. They lived in a town, next town over. It wasn't a long way, but it was not like next door either. And I uh, said, yeah, we're going to go see him. And I, all the way as I drove out there, after we got things finished at the church, I thought, he's not going to be home. He's an over-the-road truck driver. He's usually gone all week. Well, we pulled up in front of their house, and his truck was sitting there. And I thought, well, they're here anyway. Now I've got to go knock on their door tonight. And I thought, I don't know how they're going to receive me. Knocked on the door, and the door came open. Pastor and Wanda, come on in, and invited us in. They were excited to see us, you know, and, and uh, Brother Frank's what he called me up, Pastor. Brother Frank and Wanda, come on in. It's good to see you. And we walked in there, and I'll not make a big long story out of it, led them both to Christ that night. Baptized them not long after that. Members of our church for several years. They moved away to another state, and they came back, and shortly afterward, he developed a brain tumor. And it was progressing rapidly. And I remember one day I said, I'm going to go see Bill. He was by now in the nursing home. He was in the last days of his life. And, but he was still coherent and could talk. His speech was slurred because of the pressure the tumor was putting on his brain. And I'll not try to imitate it, but in very slow, halting speech, I was there to cheer him up and we talked for a few minutes. And he stopped me and he said, Brother Frank, he said, I'll tell you one thing. I said, I'm sure glad you came to our house that night. That's a hallelujah, isn't it? That's a glorious God. And i got to tell you, that night, I did have something else on my schedule. It's called a recliner. Most of you can probably relate to that after Wednesday, especially if you've worked today and had, or whatever you've done, you had a busy day and so forth, you come to the house of God like you ought to, but propping your feet up sounds pretty good when this is all over. Amen? Amen. Proud of you. That's not prop your feet up yet. She told me she was sleepy before the service. So I had a long day. And so she's doing good. 
I could also tell your age, but I'm not going to. Okay, so you're having a special birthday coming up. But anyway, we had, uh, you know, we can always have things we think we need to do or it's important for us to do and all that. But I found in my life in ministry, if God lays somebody on my heart, there's a reason for that. And I'm not saying I have some mystical, magical uh, connection with God. I endeavor to walk with God and so forth. But I've learned in my life in ministry, if God lays somebody on my heart, if there's somebody I'm thinking about that I can't get out of my mind, I need to go see Him. And I can tell you throughout my life in ministry, when that happened, I didn't always lead Him to Christ, but I always had a good visit. When I would go see Him, we'd make some headway. Sow some seed. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes lead them to Christ, but have a good visit that results ultimately in good things in those people's lives for Christ. We need to have some flexibility. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to violate our schedule uh, when He lays somebody on our heart. And you don't have to be a pastor to be that way. It can happen to any Christian. And we all have things, but we need to be careful that we don't get so focused on our agenda we pay no attention to what the Lord might be speaking to us about or what the needs of others might be. I would say this and not spend a lot of time on it, but you need, as you make a schedule, you need to schedule some time for yourself. Jesus told his disciples, Come ye apart, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. The way we preachers have talked about that, and I've used this with our people over the years, there are times we need to come apart lest we come apart. And I know this man and his wife have had real busy times here, and you've got revival coming up and so forth, and they need a coming apart time here soon. Folks, you ought to make sure they do that. But it happens in all of our lives. Some of the others of you have been through some really trials and deep waters here recently. I understand that as well. We need to be careful. It's not just times of grief and sadness, but it's times when you're burning the candle at both ends. We need to be careful about that. God has created us to need that. I, I, was, I won't say that I was never violated it because there were times, but I tried religiously to take a day off when I was pastoring. Didn't always happen, but usually did. Took vacations too. By the way, vacations came, became a lot more important to me in my 50s and 60s than it was in my 20s and 30s and 40s. Something happens, doesn't it? And we need to pay attention to some of those things. We stay around and keep serving God and be effective for God while we are serving Him. Now, you can overdo your me time. Don't do that. Balance as in all things. I'll say this and move on. We talk about schedule and time. Do you know that television, and I'm not preaching against television per se, I'm just warning you, television and social media and your computer and your computer games and all of that, they can be great time stealers. It's amazing the things the important things we don't have time for, and we spend lots of time on things that really don't matter at all. We need to be careful about those things. But concerning all things well or good is great, brothers and sisters, let's not try to require greatness of others when the goal is to do all things well. Married folks here tonight, if your husband's not great, be thankful he's good. If your wife is not great in every area, be thankful she's good. And be appreciative of the fact that she is or he is. 
You say, why are you saying Because I have counseled couples who had no reason to be having big problems except that they were trying to measure their mate against somebody they thought was great that they saw on TV. Rather than being glad for the good that they are and the good that they're doing. By the way, all of us want our children to do well. I mean, by the way, one thing, I'm a grandparent too, so it's amazing how many of these genius grandkids grow up to be so dumb. You know, they're in elementary school and they're the brightest kid you ever saw. They're four years old and you've never seen a kid that smart. You see them grow up and they're dumb in a rock. And I'm not talking about IQ now, I'm just talking about the way they act. <laughs> that was free. <laughs> Parents, we do want our kids to do well. But don't try to drive them to it. Not every kid's a straight-A kid, are they? Hey, by the way, we ought to be thankful if we have kids that are trying. And I'm not just talking about school, I'm talking about other things. And are good kids. Amen? Thank God for good kids. Kids, there's another side of this. Don't try to require greatness out of your parents either. They love you and they're conscientious about trying to do what's right. You ought to thank God for them. There are kids all over this community here who would love to have parents like that. They need to have parents like that, and you do too. They're not perfect, and they'll make some mistakes. People who are doing good do make some mistakes sometimes. Don't try to require it out of your co-workers or out of your fellow church members either. The goal is good. I don't think it's wrong if somebody's great at something or really good at something. I don't think it's wrong to excel. Don't go away from here and say, I said that. But we shouldn't spend all our time on one or two things and neglect other important things in our life. That's what I'm trying to get across. Good is great. Perhaps balanced goodness is greatness in the Christian life. I want to ask you tonight, are you striving to do well in all of your responsibilities that stem from the important relationships in life? Of course, it starts with the right relationship with God. I believe it starts with salvation. It requires a personal walk with the Lord. I want to ask you tonight, as this message is brought tonight, is God dealing with you about a neglected responsibility in your life? Responsibilities to God or to your spouse or to your uh, parents or to your children or to your brothers or sisters or the Bible or the church or, or your employer. And you get the, the idea here. Somewhere you know you're, you're really not carrying the ball like you should. You know something I established in my life as part of my philosophy for life and living, and I found it to be true. So I just don't have time. I just don't have time. I believe that duties do not conflict when your priorities are right. The reason our duties conflict is because some of our duties are not duties. Anybody follow what I'm saying? We make too much out of things that don't matter. Or we make too much out of a few things and neglect the other things. We all, and I'm about finished here, but we all 
have a tendency to do well at the easiest or the most enjoyable things. We all have our given aptitudes and gifts and so forth, and I understand that. And we like doing what we can do well. But we all have a tendency to do well at the easiest or the most enjoyable things and to neglect the difficult things or the undesirable things. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for my mother and her involvement in my life as a, in school. And she wasn't a teacher or anything like that. And she wasn't really involved in everything that I did, but she encouraged me to do well in all my subjects. And of course, I had some that were favorites and some that weren't. Some of you are going to groan when I say this, but when I was in high school, my favorite subjects were math. And I'm talking about geometry and algebra, trigonometry, calculus. I enjoyed those. I got them. I know it. I know it. Hey, Brother Bill, one of my favorite things was story problems. You couldn't give me a story problem I couldn't work. I mean, I was good at that. And I was good in physics. I was good in chemistry. I got a scholarship to Purdue University because my chemistry teacher recommended me. You know what I didn't like? I didn't like lit literature. I didn't like writing. <laughs> Guess what I've done all my life. <laughs> my senior year in high school, I had an English composition class. It was, like, it was like a tough one. It was like for college prep or whatever they called it back then. It was advanced. And we had to write a composition every week. We wrote a composition if we had one mechanical error, like punctuation or a double negative or those kind of things, F. Now, I did have a merciful teacher. We'd turn it in, and if it wasn't right, she'd turn it back in and tell us you've got to fix it. She didn't tell us what to fix, but said you've got to fix it. And so we'd work at it the second time. We had six weeks grading periods, and the end of the six, first six weeks, I got a D. I didn't have Ds when I was in high school, but I got a D. And uh, my uh, took my report card home, and my mom said, you could do better at that if you tried, couldn't you? That's about all she said. I knew she meant you better be trying, but that's all she said. And I went to work on it, and by the end of the semester, I had an A. And it wasn't easy. And I still didn't like it. You know, as a pastor, almost every week for 43 years, I wrote an article in our church paper, <laughs> our church bulletin. Wrote sermons every week. It's not the same as a composition, but it's writing. And did those things. We need to focus on the things it's difficult that we know we ought to be doing is what I'm trying to say. And God will honor that. And by the way, I'm thankful that I had those nudges. I didn't like grammar. And I didn't like those things with English. 
but rarely do I get up and embarrass myself with how I say things. And sometimes I say it wrong and I'm talking so fast I just go on and say they'll get it anyway. <laughs> but it's important to do what we can well. Say, how's this relate to me? We're not talking about school now. You know, I found some people love to go soul winning. But they don't like doing other things they could be doing at the church. Some people like to teach a Sunday school class, but they don't like to go visiting. Some people are really good in music, but they don't like visiting or teaching a Sunday school class. Are you following what I'm saying? Not all of us are going to be Sunday school teachers. I understand that. What I'm saying is, just because you really like some part of it doesn't mean you get to neglect the rest of it. It's important. We focus on the all things. I thank God for the men in our church. They can work with their hands. We've got HVAC people and we've got mechanics and we've got carpenters and all that. We've done a lot of that kind of work around our church. I thank God for those men. Some of those men will come out for every work day, but they'll never come out for soul winning. Is anybody getting the picture here? Thank God for the ones who say, whatever it is, I'm going to do my best at it. I may not be good at it, but I'll give it a shot. We need to be about the master's business with that attitude. By the way, I'm, I know time's getting away, but do you know not every parent finds it easy to be a parent? There may be some men here tonight you don't feel comfortable leading your home. It's hard for you to do that. You just leave it to the wife. Let her make the decisions. You know that's wrong? I believe every boy that's ever born is born to be a leader. I'm not saying they're all born leaders because not everybody has that spiritual gift. We're all born to be that and we need to work at it. Because it's a God-given responsibility in our home. We need to be a faith about these things. Two things and I'm done. As we strive to do all things well, let's not wear ourselves down trying to be perfect. I'm not talking, like I said, we want to do it well. But I know people that spend their whole life like the athletes and such, musicians and such, trying to be perfect at one or two things and neglect everything else. Let's not wear ourselves out. And, and you may be a musician and you may be fretting because you're not perfect. Just do the best you can. Work at it like you ought to, but do the best you can. Thank God for what you can do. And be careful to give more attention and effort to the things you've been neglecting. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Give proper attention to those things we've been neglecting. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word and the privilege of preaching Your Word and what appears to be attentiveness of people tonight to Your Word. And Lord, I pray now as Your Spirit works that we would respond. Lord, those that ought to come and lay something on the altar and make some commitments, get some things right, pray they do Your bidding, Lord. I pray You'd have Your way in this invitation. Get glory to Yourself by the way that people are responding to Your Word and Your Spirit this night. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.